Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my beautiful friend, Serena Lauf. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest into our lives, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe which we create using our guests' three favourite ingredients. On top of that, we also ask our guests for their healthy habit, which is something they do daily or whenever they need to rebalance and reground themselves. We both trial it out and discuss how we felt when practicing their habit. This season, our recipes can all be found on our brand new Patreon page, which we invite you to join us and support us on. So the link for that can be found in the show notes below this episode. It's sort of like a virtual kitchen club. Oh, yes. Today's guest on Kitchen Club is Donna Lancaster. Donna is a therapist and co-founder of the Bridge Healing Retreat. Donna is passionate about the subject of grief and the grieving process, which she believes offers the missing link for many in their search for wholeness. This is such a beautiful conversation. We really hope you love it as much as we did. Here is the wonderful Donna Lancaster on Kitchen Club. Donna, welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It is such a pleasure and we are really, really looking forward to speaking to you. So thank you so much for for taking the time to to be with us virtually. Such an honour. Shall we dive straight into talking about your favourite ingredients, Donna? Please, Can you remember what they were? I, I have a bait. I think I just threw an, a, I threw a sort of uh, ramshackle uh, array of vegetables at you, I believe, um, because it, it was a question actually that I've never thought about. So it was just like, oh, I mean, I know what flavors I like and everything, but I'm I'm not. I must confess, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not the the most exciting chef, but I remember the ingredients. You said root veg, so squash, pumpkin, carrots, sweet potatoes. You also said that you're a spicy gal and you love chilli. I do. And tempeh, peppers, mushrooms, asparagus. And then you said, is that enough? And I was like, yes, that's great. <laughs> so we 
we have made you, and obviously normally we'd make this for you in person, but we can't. We made you a co- spicy coconut-based uh, root vegetable soup. So wow. I used sweet potatoes and carrots, but you could use squash, you could use normal potatoes, you could use a bit of celeriac, whatever you've got, um, with lots of ginger and turmeric and mustard seeds and sesame oil and coriander and obviously lots of chilli. Wow. that's your fave. Wow, that sounds amazing. My mouth's watering. <laughs> Yay! It was funny because I actually don't normally love sweet potato. I like sweet potato wedges, but I don't like sweet potato in things. But this, I, my husband and I were like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why have we never made sweet potato soup before? Oh yeah, you've got to have a bit of sweet potato in your soup. And yeah, really loved it. It's the first soup of the whole podcast. Is it? Yeah. So Donna, well, there we go. <laughs> you got the first I am, I am, a, I am a bit, definitely a soup woman, honestly. Partly it's pure laziness because it was so easy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come autumn, I'm a soup person for sure. My children, are, they're, they're so funny. They say, that's a drink. And I'm like, not how I make it. And you sound the same, Serena. That sounds amazing. Yeah, then we'd top it with some nice crunchy croutons or some fried garlicky mushrooms or something for a bit of... What's the word? Substance. A bit of texture. Nice. Very nice. So, so yeah, we'll send you the recipe for that. Yes, please. That sounds amazing. Thank (laughs) you so much. You are welcome. Um, Donna, let's chat first a little bit about you and sort of how you've got to where you are today because you've had such an incredible career and professional history and what you've been doing. You've, I mean, just for a bit of backstory for our listeners, you've been... Um, a child protection social worker Um, you've run training for women training programs for women in schools and prisons and you've trained in relationship therapy and now of course you run your amazing amazing healing retreat the bridge and if no one if you don't know what the bridge is listeners then we urge you to go and watch the documentary loved on on amazon um but you can search it on the website as well, which we'll leave the show, we'll leave the details in the show notes. Um, And Donna, I've probably missed out loads, but can we just ask you how you got into this work and sort of how you got to where you are today? Because what a career, what a journey. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I got into this work, um, you know, through my own struggles, really. I, I, you know, like many people that are drawn to come some kind, well, m- many people that are drawn to any profession, actually, there's often, if you if you follow your heart, there's often a pull from your own uh, background, your own passions, your own pain. And um, that was definitely the case for me. So I was, uh, you know, no surprises. Yeah, I was, a, 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 um, I had quite a difficult childhood and so it wasn't it was no surprise that I was drawn to working with small children and you know it's 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 you don't need a therapist to figure out why you know they were you know in my early days of working as a a child protection social worker I was basically trying to save unconsciously save versions of myself and all other children that had suffered you know and that you know it sounds like really a lovely thing but it's actually if you haven't done your own inner work as I call it that means that as I was you're kind of looking out at the world through a wound lens your own wounds 
and um, and that doesn't serve anyone, least of all yourself, because it, me- it impairs your judgment first and foremost, um, and also it means that you're you're driven by by the your own unprocessed pain. So yeah, so it was a, a starting point from pain, but that ultimately led me to really have to turn and towards my own my own pain, my own darkness, my own. Uh, sadness and um, and really sort of work with that so that I could transform that which is what what I've done you know and um, as you know having watched the documentary I, I now continue to work with people but with my my own lenses much much clearer very clear and I'm also very clear in my work about the importance of, of what I call inner work and how it really it kind of cleanses your soul um, when you do the work uh, that we do um, on on your past wounds because we, as part of the human condition, you, no one gets out of here without heartbreak. It comes as the package, you know, it comes as part of the package of being human. So, so uh, it's very rewarding for me um, to work with people to support them to to heal their own wounds. That that's mm. yeah, it's it's bliss. Mm. Yeah. And for people who haven't seen the documentary yet, can you give us a brief intro to The Bridge, please? And and what kind of people come on it, who it might be suitable for? Because it's such an amazing documentary. It's incredibly moving. Um, so, yeah, if anyone hasn't watched it, then definitely do. But in case anyone hasn't, please, can you tell us about it? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the documentary was made by uh, a guy called Jake Knowles. And Jake Knowles, I think you see at the beginning of the documentary, he's talking and he, he in short, he lost a baby, um, his son, um, very uh, devastating um, loss, which actually meant that he also lost his marriage and his, himself. And he, it was kind of one devastation after another. And, and he... You know, as these things happened, he stumbled across my work working with grief and um, and uh, he came on the bridge and he just afterwards, he, he you know, it's that cliche, it sort of changed his life. And he he basically said, you know, I um, I have to make a film about this. And, you know, and we were, Gabby and I, Gabby's the co-founder along with me of the Bridge Retreat, and we were a bit reticent and and because it's very precious people's tender hearts on display being filmed and we didn't we didn't want it to be anything kind of uh, voyeuristic or or in any way abusive of these people's tender hearts and so um but but I trusted Jake because he'd been through the process and he understood what we were what we were offering so um so yeah so the the bridge itself is really supporting people to as I said, with my own pain is to process their emotional blocks, if you like. So um, most people, generally speaking, definitely in the West, we're not taught how to healthily follow through and allow emotions to, to, to do what they're meant to do, which is flow through us. And they get interrupted, they get stopped from that flow, that process, you know, and the word emotion, as I'm sure you know, it stands for energy in motion and emotions are energy and they're meant to have a beginning, middle and an end. And we're not taught how to uh, support that process. So that's what we do on the bridge is support people to um, to uh, follow through and release, access and release those emotional blocks which sit in the body. You know, and this is why so many people have so much physical pain as well as, well as so many mental health issues because of that, um, that we're not 
really shown how to how to process our our heart breaks as I call them and and the bridge you know we work very creatively we work with all different methodologies and you know we use things like gestalt therapy and family constellations and that that alongside working with really ancient rituals you know beautiful rituals which include the land and fire and and you know really um using things like uh, music as medicine food as medicine and silence as well so it's really bringing all of that together um, to work with people to work with them in community because that's something that again so many people feel so disconnected from themselves and other people on on any meaningful level and again that's what the bridge offers is is a sense of coming back to something that that we never really forgot because it's in our our lineage it's in our you know our ancestors sat around fires and sang together and shared together and and um and that's really what we're recreating for people a taste of that yeah yeah gosh so many things are just stirring up for me there Donna firstly I just I just like to say as a as a viewer as a consumer of watching the documentary and watching probably a very small part of what happens at the bridge but I think the documentary was just so beautifully um addressed and and filmed in a way that I mean I certainly felt like I was in the room with with everyone there and how brave of the of the guests of the participants yes to open up like that like wow what how amazing of them to do that really um and it's it's funny that you mentioned the I mean we'll get onto this a bit more later on but the group process of it the community process of it watching it it actually Serena and I both yoga teachers and it actually made me um sort of reflect on yoga teacher training and what you go through in that process and personally I feel like I've opened up and dealt with so much through that same process of being with others with like-minded others who are going through the same journey as you and having that space to cry and to to feel into that emotion and work through stuff I mean I always say that yoga teacher training is so similar to therapy um but I think it is because of that community element that you've got these people around you obviously I'm not a yoga teacher but I can imagine that there's a lot of resonance with Mm -hmm. with that and 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 so much you know like things like with the working with the breath and all of these things you know it's it's so powerful and as you know as yoga teachers is the body you know, uh, like grief, which is what we work with, uh, heartbreak, as I call it, um, and it's not just related to bereavement. All of that lives in the body. And so you can't, it's not a neck up, as I call it, uh, treatment. You can't treat heartbreak from the neck up. You have to, at some point, get up, get the body up out of the chair and move. And I always encourage people uh, to grieve with their whole body. And I, 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 so I can imagine that, yeah, from the yoga training, you, you get a sense of that. Um, and like you say, the power of community. And yeah. one of my great influences with the, the work that I do is a West African tribal leader called Sabonfu Somme. And Sabonfu 
always said, you know, we are we were wounded in community and we must heal in community. And she what she means by that is community means family, it means school, means friendship peers, means, uh, you know, the group of, uh, of colleagues at work, whether it's a church, whatever your communities, we have many um, as we grow, um, but those are where we, we really receive our, our wounding. And so there's nothing more powerful, I believe, um, than going back to a community with a very, and having a very different experience of community than perhaps many people have had. So, for example, um, when people come on the bridge, you know, to if they've had some really difficult experiences, say at school of being bullied or even in their family growing up, um, where they didn't feel they fully belonged in their family of origin. So, so to come on the bridge and to have that experience where you've got almost like a, a family dynamic but this time it's a really healthy nurturing loving benevolent family that's just magic for people and you see people start to come back to life really and 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 thrive because again that is you know I believe that that love really does conquer all and you know for people everybody wants the same thing they want to be seen heard understood respected they would need to feel safe and they want to feel loved Mm. you know and that's what we offer people on the bridge yeah wow this is something that we were going to ask you about later but since you've touched on it I think we should just do it now um we were going to ask you about the group aspect because it's something I'm particularly interested in. I've had experiences with group therapy and I now run group coaching courses. And I I completely agree that there's something particularly potent about the group dynamic. And I wondered if the work that you do can, can have the same sort of effect if it is done one-on-one. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of a member of our team, Frederic Beaker, she's a uh, a psychologist and she uh, works with people predominantly one-to-one in Holland where she lives so she comes to deliver the bridge um, or she did before uh, the recent <laughs> events and then she would go back to her one-to-one practice and she always says you know that there's nothing we do on the bridge um that she couldn't do, sorry, what we do on the bridge. She couldn't achieve that because it is something about the power of collective energy. It's something about the power of collective healing. It's like alchemy. You know, you know, as a food person, you you get that magic one ingredient, you know, like that little piece of dark chocolate in a chili and, boof, you know, everything just uh, explodes in terms of the taste sensations. And, and it's like that with uh, community healing is there's nothing, Nothing like the power of your peers in a safe, loving, nurturing environment to to create something very, very special and alchemical for people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think it's. I think of course. I mean, I did therapy, and it probably saved my life. And I think I'm a great advocate of, of therapy, and I still do one to one sessions with people. But I believe, like Frederic, that what really um, we can offer in in six days. It really um, it gives it gives a, a, um, something extra, I believe. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it, you know, Freddie also says Freddie's uh, Frederic. She's known as Freddie. She says that you know it would take her probably five years to achieve what we do in six days because of that. Also, that 
that idea of a retreat, a stepping back from your everyday life, really retreating inside yourself and facing your inner world. And and, uh, that's something that is also part of the group experience. So I know you can have personal retreats, but yeah, the magic of people, you know. And I'm an introvert. So, so, you know, I, and I do group experiences. I do something, usually at least one kind of retreat every year. Um, and you know, it makes me twitch, you know, and as I'm going to it, I'm thinking that, Oh no, these people, you know, and, and I don't want to stand up and I don't want to be seen in that way, but I know what comes through it. So I, I will push myself into those situations because I know there's nothing like it. It makes me think about, you know, obviously this massive time that we've all we've all moved through and have so many losses and, and so many, you know, we've been grieving so from so much loss over the past eight months. But the power in the healing, I think it was when we had the, you know, clap for clap for your heroes. And it was a time that we could all sort of come together as this community. And you could hear everyone, literally hear everyone. Well, in London, you could. <laughs> and it was that coming together that, you know, kept us all going. I feel like we still need something like that now. <laughs> but it just made me think of that in, in, the, in the sort of terms of community and, and healing together. I, I agree that, that, you know, obviously the clapping... Uh, it's a beautiful ritual and it, that's what it is. It's a, it became a ritual, you know, that on a Thursday evening at 8pm, people got outside in their gardens on the streets and banged their pots and pans and clapped their hands and involved their children and families. And that's a ritual. And that really, you saw, you know, on the news, I saw people and they really, it gave them uh, a sense of purpose and hope and connection in, in a very beautiful way. And, and I think, um, and, and a very much needed way because they were showing their appreciation appreciation and gratitude for what they were receiving from the NHS and all the key workers etc and also that coming together and um and yeah again I think that ritual is such a lost sacred art form for so many um especially again in the west and it's you know with the whole um tragedy of George Floyd and all the other people um and the whole Black Lives Matter movement and um you know, I ran an online grief ritual for for specifically for the Bain community, and um, but it was open to everybody, but focusing on their grief. And it was people, and this was online, you know, but people were so um, blown away by how powerful it can be, even in virtual community, to kind of come as an energy force together and say we're hurting. And please help us, and and let's let's express our our pain, our grief together. Mm. And you know that's that's just beautiful. It's beautiful and also very healing for tender hearts. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. Um. So let's let's sort of dive into grief or heartbreak, as you put it, which is beautiful. And it's because it's a a word we kind of associate with with losing someone, with losing someone we love. But obviously, there's so many other other ways of to sort of see grief and it can show up in so many different ways and it's such as you said at the start such a part of our lives of being human and and feeling these emotions how else can grief show up or what is maybe the most other common ways that we see grief um 
and how, you know, because we hear about the stages of grief and like, this is the stage I'm going through. What kind of is the process for that? And I mean, it might be completely different from person to person, but is there a kind of a narrative of the, of the process of loss? Yeah, I mean, th- this is the, the thing is that, that um, so many people, as you rightly say, they, they understand grief as only something you feel when you're bereaved. And, you know, grief in its definition is an unnatural emotional reaction to any kind of significant loss. So it's a, basically a series of emotions that we um, feel naturally when we lose someone or something significant. And so that might be the, yes, of course, it might be a death of somebody you love, but it also can be a death of something, as in the end of a very significant career, uh, the end of a very uh, significant intimate relationship, including friendships, etc. It can be moving from one side of the world to the other. All of that comes with loss. I mean, you look at what what we're in in terms of the pandemic and that's, you know, a collective grieving experience as you touched on. It's it's literally the whole world cannot be, uh, it's not possible to not be uh, in touch with some grief, even if you don't recognise it as such. Um, so, so yeah, it is a natural reaction to the death of something. And, and one of the most um, significant ways that we experience loss is loss of connection to ourselves, um, to really live um, in, in a way that kind of makes you forget the truth of who you are. You know, and so many people uh, feel that it's necessary uh, to basically live a lie, wear masks. And um, and I've got no judgment about that because I did it myself for many, many years. But what it does is it makes us sick. Um, when you are wearing so many masks to conform and fit in and belong and pretend like the whole Instagram generation of oh, my life's great and really you feel inside that you're, you know, you're, got anxiety as an example that mismatch between how you present to the world um, and how you feel inside is what causes people sickness and that is the real true dis-ease dis-ease of our uh, you know of our generations and and um and certainly the digital generation and and uh how it manifests is is very different for for people but unprocessed uh, grief is often comes in, like I said before, the physical um, illnesses. So over the years, I've been working in this field now 31 years, and you see themes in 31 years, let alone my own experience with my own unprocessed uh, pain, emotional pain. And and that is, you know, in in terms of the physical uh, symptoms, that's things like lower back pain, IBS, all sorts of gut digestive issues. Again, I'm sure you know this stuff from your own work and things like neck pain, clenched jaw, migraines, headaches, um, low energy, um, ME, chronic fatigue, all of those kind of conditions often have some resonance with trauma and the unprocessed grief related to traumatic experiences. And then, of course, there's the mental health. And, um, and, you know, people rightly talk about mental health and it's got, you know, much more out in the, in kind of the, uh, in the media, in the press, etc. It's a, you know, there's a lot more out there. But I always say that 
really what I believe is, is yes, of course, mental health is important. But I, what I really believe it is important is emotional health. Because it's the it's the yes you can um, you know you can train your mind to to um, calm them you know to calm the kind of negative thought processes as an example you can through meditation etc you can really support the mind to to slow down and to uh, recalibrate but it's the emotions that we need to work with is emotional health physical and it's a holistic system again as you know but um people yeah people kind of forget it's all about depression and anxiety and panic attacks and stress and burnout and all of those are related to a lack of emotional processing Mm. I keep thinking lately about or maybe I heard it somewhere about um you know as as humans we get to experience all of these emotions and like that is such a, a privilege to be able to experience that, to be able to experience deep sadness and have a visceral reaction of crying towards that. And we've actually spoken about the process of crying on the podcast before with Zoe Aston. And it is such a big part of getting things out, of processing it. And we don't really give, as a society, we don't give ourselves that opportunity to feel that, you know, when we have these feelings of sadness or anger, we're told to repress them or like, have a cup of tea, you'll feel better. And that's it. We kind of just breeze over it, don't we? So just, just to kind of experience these emotions is, is a privilege for us as, as human beings. And, and you know what, as well, it is, um, it's it's essential it really is essential that we you know we're so used to that kind of labeling certain emotions as good and certain emotions as bad and that's how we talk in our general day-to-day when someone says how do you feel I feel I I feel um better than yesterday or I feel okay oh no I'm feeling good today you know Mm. it's all judgments they're not feelings they're judgments about feelings and it's all putting them into these good bad camps and I think that's what gets us into trouble alongside not allowing them to do their thing is judging them as good and bad rather than just saying this is the wonderful human palette as you say of like all the emotions that we have access to including ones that have a bad reputation like anger you know healthy anger is life force you know we have it for a reason but it gets um, a bad rap and it gets tarnished and uh, associated with things like abuse and violence and destruction that's not uh, anger that's abuse violence and destruction you know so I think it's very important for people to um to be able to understand and learn that 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 by embracing that palette that you 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 start to be able to paint such a beautiful you know rainbow of, of of colors in your life and and the, the kind of almost like the secret that is not this you know I always say it's a secret but it's but I'm trying to tell everyone about it and uh, to make it not a secret is that the 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 acceptance and embracing rather than the resistance of all of these uh, feelings within your emotional palette is is the key and it is that you know I I, I grieve 
especially at the moment, almost every day. I, or I cry almost every day, especially at the moment when I'm dancing. And I, and I do that and I feel more joyful, more peaceful, more resilient than I've ever felt in my life. And that's because I'm not fighting this, this, these emotions. I mean, you know, with what's going on in the world, how could we not be distressed, you know? But if we, like I say, coming back to that, it, let we move the body. And then I just feel peaceful about it. Um, and that is, again, sorry, just to say this because it's such a passion piece for me, is that the, the secret about grieving is it makes you so joyful. Mm. And that's what people don't realise. They think they're going to get stuck in the misery and the despair of, of their sadness and their depression, etc. And actually when you really process and, and embrace it all is you feel so, because it's like a lightness comes over you mm. because you've emptied the, the backlog of, of, of grief and that just creates space and lightness and then you feel, oh, you know, I feel joyful. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that you highlighted the piece around um, actually identifying what emotions you're feeling because I know that so many of us, when we're asked how we are, we say, I'm good, I'm fine. Yeah, all okay. And and that's something that I I always encourage my clients to do is when someone asks you how you are, don't just say I'm good as a default, check mm-hmm. in and actually like ask yourself because you might not even know how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it might be a weird mixture and you might feel like a bit angry, but quite content and a little bit anxious, mm-hmm. but kind of calm at the same time. But people don't even give themselves the chance to check in, let alone to then share honestly with the person who asked them. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. That. I love that as well. And it's the, you know, um, the work of uh, Bryony Gordon. Mm-hmm. Do you know Bryony Gordon? And she, she yeah. um, you know, she asked this question. Uh, I did a podcast with her on her Mad World podcast. And she says, at the beginning, she says, how are you really? Yeah. You know, and it's like not interested in, oh, yeah, I'm fine. You know, she's genuinely asking, yeah, but how are you really? Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course we do it. It's a, it's a social nicety, isn't it? I did it just now in the supermarket, you know, for, you know, the fines. And and that's, you know, I'm sure the girl at the checkout doesn't want to hear my inner, <laughs> innermost word workings. And, um, and that's fine. But I think it, it, it's so important to have people in our life when we can... Uh, we not only know what we're feeling but also name it and share it I think that's such a key part of really uh, easing our own heartbreak is to is to sit opposite someone and say you know I'm feeling like you say I'm feeling angry and sad I'm feeling afraid and um, devastated or or whatever is true and and uh, you know and also neuroscience shows that something happens in the brain when we name our feelings there's a recalibration a settling of the system because it's it's like we do with children you say I say to my grandson oh I can see you're angry and he in his little internal world says oh this feeling is anger okay I got it you know and that is a very settling for for the system to to kind of name it and understand our feelings it's a really the the picture you've been painting Donna about this emotional palette maybe we should bring that into society and you know have a color (laughs) this is just my musings in my brain but you know if someone asks you a question you can say your color and then (laughs) you can see how often you're painting in different different sort of levels and 
That's just that's just Sarah Malcolm's brain is ticking. No. <laughs> I play in colour. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And I think that, you know, I think they do that with kind of art therapy with children, especially is when they say, I'm feeling black today. And yeah. then they talk about the black colour and what that means. And I think it's a beautiful uh a beautiful way to to kind of communicate and using all the different range of wonderful colours that we have we have access to. Mm. So yeah. Wasn't it Zoe Aston who said that as well? She said the vibrancy of the emotional landscape, which I loved. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's, you know, I always um, liken life to surfing. I've never surfed in my life, <laughs> but I have lived in a surfing village and, and really watched surfers um, a lot. And, you know, and I always say that life is like surfing and sometimes we, we, you know, fall off of that surfboard many, many times. And that's part of the growth process. That's part of learning how to surf life. And then there's be those wonderful periods of your life when you get on the board and you're just in your flow, you know, and you just uh, uh, absolutely, it's pure perfection, grace in motion. And, and you look out at the landscape and you're just like, Ooh, watch me, you know, glide. <laughs> and then there's another tumble. And, and I think the art of life surfing, as I call it, is to start to appreciate the view below the water as well as above the water. Mm. I think that's very, very uh, important. And it's kind of a second half of life understanding. So, you know, some people might not understand that, but I think you get to a point where you recognize you know and I'm of a certain age in my 50s but you know you get to a point where you recognize that all of the things the tumbles and the deep depths underneath had their own beauty even as as our hearts were breaking they came with gifts and then eventually you will resurface and then you climb back on that board and off you go what a nice metaphor I think you posted that on Instagram recently didn't you I think I I saw that yeah, yeah, I did. And I because yeah, I do I do believe life is is like surfing. Let's all go surfing then. Let's experience <laughs> that together. <laughs> I mean obviously, Donna, this is it's deep stuff. It's um it's hard work for us all and it's definitely been such a mad year for everyone, as you said, the whole world is grieving. In your, I mean, I think I know where this will, this will be headed, which you've already mentioned, but how can we bring a sense of lightness into our everyday lives when we are feeling, you know, so low, so deep in that sense that we just kind of want to get out of it? But do you think we have to, we have to go deep or can we just bring oh, some lightness to a moment? Absolutely. I mean, I... I, I you know, if we just went deep into the grief of the whole world right now, we would be overwhelmed. And, you know, I always say that there is a, there is a time for grief release and there is ta- a time for grief relief. So there are certain things that we use, whether it be a glass of wine or a, or a you know, a bit of a Netflix uh, binge or whatever, where you need some relief from the the pain of the world actually you know and um and then there's times when we need to actually take it into our our therapy or our dance or whatever you use to kind of release and and grieve um but I think one of the key things that brings lightness apart from grieving ironically is is um gratitude 
you know, gratitude is something, it's such a, it gets banded around and, you know, everyone says, oh, yes, to be grateful. What's there to be grateful for? Everything. You know, I can probably think of a hundred, if not more, things to be grateful for before I have even got out of my bed in the morning, you know, just in terms of the miracle of the body, in terms of the miracle of sleeping in a beautiful, comfy bed with crisp sheets, you know, all those things. And, and, um, and gratitude generates joy you know it really does that's the 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 benefits of it apart from living in a a world of appreciation but so so to bring more lightness in a time of a great grief and distress is to become and this of course links to mindfulness is to become really really attentive to your world you know if you even if you uh, like sit down with a say a bowl of uh, fruit and yogurt and muesli or whatever a granola whatever it might be you might be eating and you even take a moment to consider what has had to happen for all of those fruits and all of that yogurt and all of that to land in your plate where it's come from you know the people that were involved in picking everything it's like wow, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that brings with it that when you really heartfelt gratitude, I mean heartfelt, it's not I like the trees and I like the flower, it's really going, wow, yeah. you know, and that really starts to fill your heart with joy, you know. Um, so, yeah, gratitude is, it's everything, you know, <laughs> it really is. And, and the more grateful I've become, the more joyous I've become. It brings such lightness. Mm. Donna, I'm and obsessed with laughter. everything you're saying because gratitude is my favourite practice as well. Yay! Yay! It's the best. It's the it one thing the that turns around a shitty day into something, like, enjoyable. Absolutely. Oh. And and it is, so, isn't it, Serena? It's like, the you know, they did this... Uh, Again, they did this piece of research with a group of chronic, chronically pessimistic, negative thinking, kind of depressives. And they said the, the classic five, five things to be grateful for. And they asked them to do it every night or morning. Um, and it had to be five different things every day. And in a relatively short amount of time, these people, they, you know, when they were actually monitoring their brain uh, patterns, they were more, became more positive. It just generates that lightness. Um, it's a powerful, powerful practice, gratitude. I'm so glad that you're doing it because it's, yeah, it's sometimes people roll their eyes and I'm like, you know, I can't stress it enough. And it, it just, yeah, it's it's joyous. It's joyous. We're alive. Yeah, you don't you know? Don't get it till you try it. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, laughter is. There's nothing. There's nothing better for the soul than than just to find people or programs or whatever really tickles your funny bone and just laugh your head off. Because for me, again. At, where I'm at in my life right now, to cry with pain or laughter is kind of the same thing for me, you know. And so obviously most people want to cry with laughter, but I'm 
I'm happy crying with pain as well because I, I think it's that palette again. And um, but to have a really good belly laugh, you know, my sister was visiting and and we just cry, you know, we're crawling on the floor with our tears, you know, belly laughs, and it's so therapeutic, isn't it? A real good old guffaw. <laughs> That's a great word. Not the best. I think this would be a really lovely time to let's discuss your healthy habits, Serena, don't you think? And then we'll come back. Yes, absolutely. And you've already mentioned it, Donna, but please may you just re-mention what your healthy habit is that you you told us. Yeah, sure. So I, my healthy habit is daily dancing and I don't just dance, um, just for, um, the sake of dancing, although although that's a wonderful thing to do, but I dance as a form of emotional release. So for me, because I dance every day, for me, it's, it's, it's a form of, um, accessing my emotions again. Um, so I put certain songs on. So say I woke up feeling a bit sad and funky, I would put a certain song on that would help me access that so that I could then release that. So I'll have a cry. I mean, it's hilarious. I love, I'm also observing and laughing at myself as I'm doing, you know, sort of because I live, you know, people can quite some sort of see into my windows. And sometimes I'm there at like six o'clock in the morning, I think, <laughs> what my neighbours must think. There's me braless wailing, flailing my arms <laughs> Um, yeah, it's my African accent would be proud, but, um, but so, so my, my healthy habit is really to, to dance as a form of prayer. It really is like a prayer practice to me and I'm not religious, but I do have faith and it is, um, it's really like, uh, accessing my emotions and also always ending with a celebration, which links back to into the gratitude piece is I dance with utter joy and wonder and it's just like I'm I'm putting and pouring that out into the world in those five and sometimes just one or two songs but in those one or two songs I'm giving it my everything I want to see it (laughs) (laughs) you don't (laughs) it's usually in my pjs Um, but uh yes dance as a celebration of life what a wonderful habit yeah such a great one I I did it this just before we recorded, actually, I put on a song that I'm just obsessed with at the moment. It's just making me feel so alive. It's by Alan Stone called Bed I Made, if anyone would like to listen and share in the love. And I was feeling, it's, this week's been a, it feels like a heavy week, quite a lot, a big week. And this morning I kind of was in a bit of a, bit of a funk. And I thought, right, must do Donna's healthy habit. And I put this song on and was in my kitchen and burst into tears as soon as I started moving and and then again I was smiling and I was it is such a way to experience emotion and as a as a yoga teacher and I really sort of teach in a very emotional way and the the movement feels similar the the way that my yoga practice, the way I teach, feels similar to a dance, to experiencing emotion, the, the highs, the lows, as the flow of the body does. Um, so I, I bloody loved it this morning. Nice. That's what I needed. So nice. thank you for sharing it. Oh, uh, no, you're, you're welcome. It's just such a simple thing that most of us can can have access to quickly. And you can do it with kids, you know, you can do it in the kitchen, but it just as you know we know that music can completely transform your mood it is it's so powerful music and then bring in the body magic yeah 
Serena, how did you get on? I love it as well. I completely agree. I think like one song can just completely shift your day. And and because it, it only takes one thing, it takes one little positive action or one little positive thought to change your day, to change your week. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I think the thing for me is with dancing, I end up getting a bit in my head and worrying about what it looks like. So I'm actually more of a shaker than a dancer, which is probably, I mean, looks more silly than dancing, but I find that like the best emotional release to just shake all over. And again, like not worry about what it looks like, but with some music on and yeah, I love that. Yeah, no, we, I mean, I do both. It's sort of a blend of the two, but we do, we do therapeutic shaking on the bridge. It wasn't in the film because it, out of context, it looks a bit odd. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, and we didn't, you know, these people were very vulnerable and we didn't think when they filmed it, we didn't want to do that, um, to include that because we didn't want people laughing at something that's very precious. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I agree that that shaking is, is, is such a fabulous way of getting your emotions, you know, up to the surface so they can flow. Yeah, I love a good shake me. And you can do it as well, really. You know, sometimes we we um, we did the bridge in, in India, Gabby and I, and we were en route to India. And we, we nearly missed our flight. And we both, it was just hilarious because we teach uh, shaking on the bridge. We just both turned to each other like this and then we just started shaking in the middle of the airport. The two of us are just like, <laughs> we were, because we felt the stress, right, you know, levels go really high and we're like, I've got to release this, you know. So, yeah, the two of us just like, <laughs> Brilliant. Luckily, we're I past caring that. about what people think. <laughs> Donna, you obviously working with the people you work with must come up against so much sadness and trauma and heaviness. And we were wondering how you protect yourself from that and how you look after yourself and how you, you kind of stop yourself from absorbing everyone else's pain, as I can imagine maybe happens when you're when you're surrounded by it. Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I, I obviously I had a really tough uh, lesson as a child protection social worker. That kind of you know because I didn't know how to protect myself in my twenties, and that cost me dearly in terms of my own mental health and physical health. So I learned the hard way um, that I wasn't going to go down that route. Um, so anymore. So um, I've got various practices there rituals that I do to uh, support myself during the uh, the work that I do um, so there's some that are kind of private things that I do privately and quietly to myself uh, for myself but um, the the main thing again it's the stuff that we are actually teaching is the things like in terms of protection I have something like a if you like a positive anchor that I have in my pocket, which I associate with all of the things in my life that uh, and all the people and the love and everything. So that if I need this, it's literally is a stone and it comes from a beach that I particularly love. I know I'm not supposed to have stolen a stone, a pebble from the beach, but I did. Um, (laughs) But, but I have this from this beach, my, my surfing uh, village beach in Fumara. And and I have that and it's, it literally is a touchstone. Uh, So that when I, when I'm doing my work, I just have that. And it's like, and it just really feels like every time I touch it, it's a positive anchor. And then it is just the things I have regular body treatments. I have, I have professional supervision to talk about what's, um, you know, the work has brought up for me um, on a personal level. I do lots of shaking. So, um, yeah, and I'm really self-care, you know, as somebody that was really 
not great at looking after myself and I had a, a breakdown uh, because of that. Um, and so I've really, like I said, learned the hard, hard way and I'm very, very um, strict and boundaried about self-care now. Um, so, yeah, lots of different practices to, to support myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important as healers, and I know a lot of um, healers, therapists do listen to the podcast. So, yeah, I hope that it's also taken on board for for people listening to it's so important and and you know the the you know I live even though I live next to a road on one side but at the back it's woods and just being out in nature going out into the trees and 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 being amongst trees which are really my my it's my my thing and and I mean I'd like to be next to an ocean but I I don't live next to the ocean so uh, trees are my second choice and it really that that in itself as well is kind of almost like uh emptying the system just as we get full up in terms of uh, energy um, coming at us we need to consciously release that and so many people don't know that you need to release energy just as we need to uh, we, we need to fill ourselves up with uh, positive experiences to resources like the laughter and the movement and all those things. But we also need to release the uh, um, negative energies from the body. And, and nature is so powerful for that. Oh, Donna, it's just such a pleasure to, to speak to you about all of this. It, oh, same, same. I feel very grateful. <laughs> I feel very inspired. Thank you. I feel very um, energised and resourced because it's, it's lovely speaking to you and I know you get what I'm talking about, which is also uh, lovely. And, and, um, and just to, yeah, to have the opportunity to, to talk about my passion subjects. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, I could talk all day about this stuff because it's, it's, it means so much and I think it's needed more in the world than ever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, you are a lovely dose of sunshine and positivity. Aww. And, you know, I, I'm actually really interested in doing the bridge. Aww. Fascinating. Oh, mm. my God. Yeah. Well, you'd be very welcome. Yeah. It's, um, it's, 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 a, it's a magical experience, I think. It really, it really is. It's quite something. Well, Amazing. Thank you so much, Donna. It's, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, such, such a, a pleasure. Such a pleasure. So lovely chatting to you. And and same, same. And thank you so much for my soup. (laughs) Not at all. I will send you the recipe. I hope you enjoy it. Please do. Please do. Honestly, (laughs) I am salivating again just thinking about it. (laughs) I'm going to have it for lunch. Oh, enjoy, enjoy. (laughs) I need to make it now. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so, so much, Donna. What a fascinating conversation. I was feeling a little bit emotional myself before we started recording and looking now at how energized and positive I feel after that chat, I think really shows how powerful Donna's presence is and and sharing her wisdom. The bridge sounds incredible. I could not agree more. I actually had quite a few moments recording that where I yeah like you Serena I just felt so emotional and welled up quite a few times but I felt like Donna was just healing us as we were speaking to her it was so wonderful ah equally if you think that anyone you know might benefit from hearing this really beautiful chat then do share the episode pass it along let everyone hear Donna's wise words because she is so fab And if you would also like to get the recipe for Donna's soup, then you can join us on our Patreon page. 
which the link is in our show notes below this episode. So do join us over there for lots more going on and do keep sharing, subscribing and leaving us a lovely review as we really, really love hearing from you all. You can also find us over on Instagram where we share more content and love at Kitchen Club Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.